Hey, this is Chris Bjorling from Fidelo, where we have a passion for HR consulting and improving performance. In this episode of the People in Performance podcast, Bill Bannum and I consider furthering DEI efforts in workplaces across the U.S. and elsewhere. Our guest today is Erica Broadwater, president of the National Association of African Americans in Human Resources and AAA HR and EATA manager slash COE at SAT. Eric has nearly three decades of experience in human resources as head of talent acquisition, recruiting manager, and diversity and inclusion champion. She is experienced in the global talent workforce, talent mobility, retention, data analytics, recruiting operations, and performance management, all while supporting all lines of businesses and client groups. In 2011, Erica was appointed the first Delaware State Chapter President of the NAAA HR. After six years of building the Delaware Chapter and demonstrating exemplary leadership in driving diversity and inclusion throughout the state, the National Board of Directors promoted Erica to the Senior Vice President of Membership on the National Board. Erica was listed on the 2021 Human Resource Executive and HR Technology Conference Top 100 HR Tech Influencers List, which recognizes individuals impacting the state and future direction of HR technology. Erica, welcome to the People and Performance Podcast. Hi, Bill. How are you? I've missed you, my friend. I've missed you too. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, listeners, um, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Erica on the uh, on the HR chat show. She's lovely. She's a good human being. And so I reached back out to her and I said, Chris and I want to get you on this new cool pod for all the cool kids called the People and Performance Podcast. And Erica kindly said yes. But that was before she saw the questions, the hard hitting <laughs> questions that we're gonna we're gonna throw at her today. And let's begin, Erica. Firstly. According to an HR Policy Association survey in the spring of 2021, found that 85% said that organizations expanded inclusion activities and increased C-suite involvement in D and I and, and B, and we'll talk about the B, uh, efforts since George Floyd's murder. 70% had started or expanded unconscious bias training, while more than half moved to disaggregate workforce data to provide a better picture of employee demographics. So the, the survey also found DEI and belonging, what was the main concern for HR leaders ranking ahead of strategizing for a post-COVID culture. That's a long introduction to a question, isn't it? Gosh, here's the question. Um, <laughs> that was the context. As we begin 2022, Erica, what's really changed in the corporate world and what more needs to be done to improve DEI and B efforts in the workplace? Absolutely. Yes. Complex question, but a great question. Nevertheless, um, I think we have seen a lot of companies, organizations and HR leaders really driving um, initiatives to move forward. And as I see across the, the landscape of my colleagues, um, it is, you know, a critical time. 
um, that people put uh, pen to paper, but then put action behind it. So, you know, I always say be intentional behind your actions. What I think is going to be different now is we're going to see the results of all of the strategizing and the planning and the thoughts and best practices that have been put down to paper. I think we're going to start seeing them becoming executed. So, for instance, we're seeing a lot more um, job postings for diversity leaders at companies, whether it's VP of, of DEI or if it's a director uh, or a chief officer. We're seeing a lot of those type of positions starting to surface. And I think it's because the drive uh, from the top down is becoming now a reality. Uh, so I, I really believe that now um, companies are putting um, effort behind the strategies that they've been planning uh, since the murder of George Floyd. No longer um, is it billboard statements and writing a check bill, as you and I talked about last time. But I think companies are now starting to roll out and execute some, some plans that they have been in the works uh, over the last year and a half, almost, uh, I guess we could be seeing two, two years coming very soon. You've obtained at least nine professional certifications, including a certification as a diversity and inclusion trainer. So my question to you is, why is ongoing accredited professional development so important to anyone? That's a great question. So I, I always feel like you should never stop learning. Um, and that's not just a coined phrase, but I, I just, I love learning. Um, perhaps it's because I'm just that nosy, right? I want to know everything. <laughs> But I, I, I honestly believe that you should never stop learning. That's when you start diminishing as a person. Um, why did I obtain nine certifications? And actually, uh, I just, <laughs> I hate to say it, Chris, but I just completed one more. Um, so I, I can ring the bell now that I have 10 um, uh, certifications. But the reason is way back in the day, um, HR professionals would have to have their certification, but talent acquisition, we didn't. Although we fall under the umbrella of HR, uh, talent acquisition and recruiting, we just had to have a degree and the knowledge of what is called like HR generalist or HR practitioner. But we didn't necessarily have to have a certification. Um, I took it upon myself to, to gain those certifications because I, I really wanted to be well-rounded in all areas pertaining to human resources. So I took it upon myself to, you know, continue to study, continue to learn and grow, um, you know, beyond my, my college degrees. I really wanted uh, to, to be that well-rounded. You could, you could, basically ask me any question about HR and, and I might have the answer for you. So I think it's always important for continual learning, continual development. Don't let your brain become stagnant or behind in the times. There's always something new to learn. And even as policies and procedures change year over year, government policies change, corporate policies change. You always have to be abreast of them. So, uh, you know, I think there's always room to grow and definitely it's necessary to stay up with uh, some of the changes that are happening in our world. I think that's brilliant. I think that's such a life lesson for a lot of people. Hopefully those that are listening here is that continual mm -hmm. learning, yeah. you know, the lifelong learner that you talked about yeah. that's there. I had a chuckle at the beginning of that answer when you, you talked about, well, I just want to know everything. <laughs> um, and I think that was so cool too. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Back in the professional space, the more we are accredited or at least understand what's occurring and what's occurring potentially in the future, it allows us to work better in our organizations. So 
it's a it's a great thing for you as you go through here. So let me get the next question. The NAAA HR is a big supporter of career coaching. Have you had a career coach or mentor who's inspired you? And if, and if so, what lessons have you taken away from them, which you try to employ at NAAA HR and SAT? Yeah, I actually have two that I can think of. Um, early in my career um, in HR, and, and I'm about 27, 28 years in, um, my first uh, CEO took me under her wings and um, really taught me the ropes of not just running and leading an effective recruiting and talent acquisition team, but also being an independent contributor, individual contributor. So knowing the business space and knowing how to be a people influencer, you're not just recruiting, but you're also influencing. Um, so we consider our customers, both the businesses we support and the candidates that we're presenting. So she really wanted to bring me up under her uh, belt, gave me all the tools, equipped me. And she was actually one of the reasons why I started um, obtaining so many certifications, um, starting with um, behavioral interviewing. And, and it just kept going from there. Um, Franklin Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Managers, um, and it just continued to build. So I took the tools and I really applied them to my own practices and my personality. And, and what can I do to be uh, an influencer in the, in the world of talent acquisition and recruiting? My second mentor, she was really hard and I loved her because she didn't let me just get by or just settle. Um, I, I was raised by a extremely Catholic mother and military father. So you can imagine the home was very strict. She was much like that. And I love that about her because I didn't... Um, you know, I face challenges head on. And, um, you know, there, there's one thing with the way your parents raise you, but it's another in business and in corporate, you know, people are not going to hug you at the end of the day or pat you on the back and say, yeah, you know, I know you messed up, but let's, let's try again tomorrow. No, she was very hard on me. And those are sometimes the lessons that I don't think we continue to coach and, and lead the younger generation enough. Um, the hard knocks, so to speak. Um, you know, when Whenever I would fall flat on my face, she would look at me and she'd say, okay, what did you do and what can you do? So I, I think both of them in terms of coaching uh, really helped me to, to be methodical, to be strong. And I will say both of them were not just women. It just so happens that they were both African-American women. Um, and, and it's already an uphill struggle for um, uh, Black and Latina women. Uh, but these two did not want me to sit behind a mask and hide myself. Uh, they really wanted me to push myself forward and challenge myself. Um, so I give both of them credit. Well, that's awesome. How do you, how do you kind of, do you incorporate any of that, you know, that positivism, that attitude that you receive from both, you know, the hard, the hard manager and, and, and the other one that you, you came through. I do. Um, I do. do you, so do you, when you're, when you're working in the organization, how do you embed that into what you're doing with the people that you're working with and the processes you put in place? Absolutely, Absolutely. I do. Um, I like being a mentor um, to, to those who are above me in career and below me in career. And I like to make sure that I'm 
always an example of, look, I'm never going to get it right. But when I get it wrong, this is how you overcome. Uh, with the organization, yes, we do focus quite a bit on coaching and mentoring um, those in the HR profession. But I have opened the channels up to all business professions. So we have a Leadership Institute. It began as HR Leadership Institute, but now we've opened it up to Leadership Institute. And what we're doing is we're going from uh, colleges to those who are in their MBA program to those who are early in their career. And again, even seasoned folks like the three of us um, who really just need that coach, somebody that can really hold them by the hand and say, listen, let's let's get to the next level and let's change the way you're thinking and the way you're operating so that you are performing um, at your absolute best, but also always know somebody's watching you. There's always going to be someone watching you. I would even say that with um, just going back to reflecting on women, uh, something that Bill and I talked about last time um, may or may not be appropriate for this call, but I'm also a women's ministry leader. And I focus a lot of my time and attention with women uh, because we don't do enough of promoting one another. Women, we we struggle with, uh, you know, reaching that hand down to pulling up another woman. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And, um, you know, I just think that it's, it's a way for you to anything that's given to you. I think you should give it back to someone else. And that's just, you know, my mentality, whatever has been um, instilled in me and trained and developed in me. I think it's my obligation to give to someone else. And my organization does the same thing. Wonderful response. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's get an amen for that, everyone. Um, <laughs> hey, Erica, we are taking you on a magical mystery tour today. The, the questions are pretty varied. Um, I, I want to talk to you a bit about tech now, if you don't mind, um, specifically the role of artificial intelligence in recruiting and, and also uh, its role in assessments. But let's start with recruiting. Mm -hmm. AI is helping to find the best candidates based on skills and values and skills based hiring is, is huge right now. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but but what, are, what are the risks associated with the unconscious biases of of the tech creators? You know, mm -hmm. we, we hear a lot of um, potential nightmare stories about uh, AI supposed to be doing wonderful things, but actually um, it, it's flawed because the people who put it together, who create the algorithm, algorithms and all the rest of it, um, they have these inherent biases. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can talk a bit about that. And also perhaps you can share any examples of AI powered tech that's making a positive impact. Yeah, no, that that's a great question. Um, as I mentioned, I'm 27, 28 years in this profession. And I remember the days of paper applications and newspaper articles with job ads in it, right? Someone walking into the front door uh, and, and meeting the receptionist and filling out an application with a paper resume to now, literally, you can do a video interview um, and never see or touch that person much more than you know, their image on screen. Um, so I think what it does is it takes away from the personal touch um, and makes it a little too mechanical. Um, where where I think artificial intelligence fails is in, in respect to diversity, equity, and inclusion, there's really no way to gauge um, because you can't make those stereotypes. You can't, um, you know, really know uh, what, what's... Uh, uh, metrics you're you're measuring your DEI strategies when everything is in artificial intelligence. Like even this, you know, the three of us on this call, no one sees us. Um, so you can make assumptions about 
each of us that could or couldn't be fair um, and, and definitely opinionated. I think artificial intelligence fails in that realm. And yes, the algorithms are much persuaded to one particular persuasion of, of demographics and that, uh, for lack of better term, would be your white population. Um, emojis are generally done with a white hue in the background. Um, even when, if you Googled professional attire, you would see a white male and white female looking a certain way. Well, who is to judge and who is to say that that is really professional attire? So I think that's where artificial intelligence sometimes fails and misses the mark is that there's not that human interaction touch. However, where I think it has, um, made great improvements is on the other end of it. We can move a lot faster. We can make faster hiring decisions. We can get a candidate from seeing a job online to application to interview to hire. So I think it helps us move a lot faster in a very competitive market right now. Um, so that, that's the upside of, of artificial intelligence. And look, recruiters, they don't have time to sit and sift through hundreds of thousands of resumes. Let's get to the qualifications of the, of the candidates so that we can get on the phone with them and pass them along um, very quickly. So the speed of artificial intelligence really does help in HR and recruiting. Thank you. Um, well, we're at that point in time. Our, our podcasts are about 15, 20 minutes. So we're looking to wrap up right now. So what we do for all of our speakers um, and our guests that come and join us, we ask this question. From a culture and people processes perspective, what does a high-performing company mean to you? That's somewhat of a loaded question there. <laughs> you always want to get it right. Um, I think people, process, and perspective when it comes to culture. So, you know, most most people will ask, you know, what's the culture like at your company? You know, and, and does that really lend to it being a high-performing company? Um, you know, you can have a great culture and a low-performing company or vice versa. You can have a high-performing company and, and fail at culture. Um, I think the people make the company a high performing company. The more motivated people are, the higher the performance. So what it means to me is that, you know, if, if I look at like in Amazon, how progressive Amazon is, how do they treat their employees? Is it progressive because of their employees or is it progressive because they're consumers? So high performing companies, to me, it means that you have valued employees that Really, they are the nuts and bolts of why you're a high-performing company. Don't ever take them for granted because companies wouldn't be in business without their employees. So people from a culture perspective, people from a process perspective, and being able to respect each other in the workplace, when you have high performers, you have high-performing companies. I love it. Great response. Thank you so much for your thoughts on that. So now... The last question that we ask everybody is, how can listeners learn more about you and, and AAA HR? Absolutely. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Erica Broadwater, Erica with a K. Uh, you can also go out to our website, NAAAHR.org, uh, and look at each of our tabs to learn more about who we are and what we do, our mission, vision, and our goals. The conference tab is there as well. I want to see you guys flood us with your uh, registrations, but you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Yes, this has been sir. great. And our, our listeners are going to have a treat when they play through this whole segment. So thank you. Great, indeed. Thanks, Erica.
My pleasure. This podcast is supported by Fidelo Inc., a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance. Through their products and services, Fidelo helps clients design, develop, and implement strategic integrated human resource processes and systems. Learn more at fidelo.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-L-O dot com.